0: Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, head to www.sexedwithdb.com and buy some of our hot new merch. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast. And if you want to advertise with us, shoot us an email at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. This is a very special episode featuring Dave Merhage and Steve Way, two amazing comedians who are co-stars of the Emmy and Golden Globe-nominated Hulu series Rami. Dave is originally from Canada and has a comedy special on Netflix as part of a series called Comedians of the World called The Beautifully Manic. His other special, Good Friend Bad Grammar, can be viewed on Amazon Prime. Steve is a 29-year-old substitute teacher by day and stand-up comedian by night. He was born with muscular dystrophy as an advocate for disability awareness. He also gives motivational speeches around the country. I can't wait for y'all to hear this one with Dave and Steve. I bet you baked all the bread and binged all the TV shows during quarantine. But have you created an exact copy of your genitals? Yeah. I didn't think so. Meet Clonea Willy. Clonea and Clonea Pussy are DIY molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of a penis or vulva at home into a high-quality sex toy or memento. Check them out at www.clonawilly.com and use promo code SEXED20 for 20% off your purchase. Follow them on Instagram at ClonaWillyKit. Kit. Want to get your birth control with free delivery? Well, now you can with Pandia Health. Pandia Health makes our lives easier by bringing you birth control wherever you have internet and a mailbox. If you have a prescription, you can move it to their pharmacy and get your birth control delivered. If you don't have one, you can have their expert birth control doctors write you one. Find out more at PandiaHealth.com. That's P-A-N-D-I-A Health.com and use code SEXEDFREE to get a free telemedicine appointment for the first 50 people who sign up. Follow them on Instagram at Pandia Health. Offer only valid in Arizona, California, Florida, Texas, and Wyoming. Let's talk about why Uberlube is one of my absolute favorite lubes. It provides a long-lasting performance that lets skin feel skin. It has simple, body, and condom-friendly ingredients. It dissipates when no longer needed, so there's no sticky residue, and it's recommended by leading doctors. They're also partnering with us to give a few lucky listeners free lube for a year. Enter the secret code word slippery into the Google form on our Instagram link tree and use promo code sexeddb for 10% off your purchase with free shipping at www.uberlube.com. Sex Ed with DB is supported by EmojiBater. EmojiBater believes in humor and education to promote a society that celebrates pleasure Their fun and affordable collection of vibrators is inspired by the sexiest of emojis. That means eggplants, chili peppers, bananas, and pickles, oh my. They even have a line of adorable animal toys like a kitty cat, chicky, and whale that do a whole bunch of naughty things. Find all of their body safe toys for pleasure at Emojibaiter.com and use code SEXEDWITHDB for 25% off your purchase. Hello, Dave and Steve, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? good.
1: I'm good. I'm good. You good, Steve?
2: I'm great, man. <laughs> I'd like to hear great. that.
0: Let's, let's start by actually you both telling me what you both do.
2: I am an actor, a comedian, a motivational speaker, and a high school substitute teacher. Awesome.
1: And uh, I, I am Dave Burhege, comedian and actor. Um Yeah.
0: Short and sweet. Canadian
1: as well. Canadian, born in Canada.
0: (laughs) Canadians are always so incredibly (laughs) proud, and it makes me very jealous because, as an American, I am the opposite of proud of my country at the moment. Um, And I very much appreciate chatting with Canadians. So very, very glad that you're here. Very glad that both of you are here. Um, Where are you both from, and what are your backgrounds?
2: I'm from New Jersey, and uh, I'm, I'm just white.
0: <laughs>
2: I, yeah, I'm I'm a uh, I'm like part Italian and part British. Cool. So just like just a white colonizer.
1: Sick. Yeah. Um. I am. I am not. Well, you know, I'm Lebanese, but I wasn't born in Lebanon. But I was born in Windsor, Ontario, which is on the border. You probably don't know where that is. If you do, uh, uh, I salute you. But it's on the border of Detroit, so it's a border town. So we're kind of americanized. So
2: you're basically yeah. you're basically
1: white. I yeah, no, you know <laughs> no Steve, no. You're not 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 in this Steve, time you're I'm bullying. Either. What is yeah, happening? Go. Steve 15 years ago, I I would have been like yeah, I'm white. <laughs> 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 but not around now. You know what Were I your am.
0: parents born in Lebanon or were they born here?
1: No, they Canada? were born there. They were born in Lebanon and came to to Windsor separately, you know what I mean? And then they met they met in windsor
0: Got so it. he picked
1: her up in windsor you know what i mean he put a, he put the moves on in windsor
0: for sure for sure yeah my my dad he was born in afghanistan and he moved to israel when he was like 13 and then to america when he was like 25 um and we're afghani jews not very many of us very few um and he and my mom met at a nightclub in manhattan and apparently Sweet. like Yeah, apparently my mom danced with my uncle first, so it could have been a very different story, Um, but here I am. Um, Okay, so I feel super, super lucky to have you both on the podcast today. Um, I just binged hard the first two seasons of Rami, absolutely loved it, Um, seriously, truly one of my favorite shows. Uh, For those who are listening who haven't seen it, um, it is essentially about... Uh, a co- it's a comedy about an Egyptian Muslim American family living in New Jersey. And it explores the themes of relationships, spirituality, the self, and identity. And it was somehow unlike anything I've seen, and yet it was like strangely familiar. I'm sure a lot of people have had that experience. Um, as a Jew, like I mentioned, like I learned a lot about Muslim culture. I feel like I laugh. I cried. Some parts were very cringy, um, which was intentional, I'm sure. And others were incredibly warm and powerful. Um, and I loved you two on the show, and I feel like you made such a, such a big part of the show and I'm, I'm curious if you can talk about your characters and how you both got involved with Rami.
2: I mean, my character is basically me as a person. <laughs> yeah. Playing a yourself. I'm a huge douchebag. Uh, I'm just not respecting Rami's religion at all. In have... real
0: life, in real life, too.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like you said, I'm playing myself. Okay. Um, Rob and I have known each other uh, since we were about 10 years old. So we've known each other for almost 20 years now. Um, When we started high school, uh, we both took TV production. Um, Our high school was one of few, really in the entire state of New Jersey, that has um, an entire TV studio. So for more than half our lives, we've had access to like the best equipment that you know, 14 year olds could ask to film on. Um, and then we just started getting into comedy, and you know, Robert got his show and he wanted me, uh, to be involved and to play his best friend. Um, you know, it was just, it was natural. Uh, but I think the great thing about us on screen is that whenever you see him and I, Together, about at least half of what we say together is all improv. Um, That's just how well we play each other on screen, and you know, in front of a camera. Um, yeah, my character is pretty much just who I am. (laughs) Got it. Awesome.
0: (laughs) And that's really cool that you had that access to film and like TV equipment and, and teachers who were able to kind of like really get your creative side out at such a young age I feel like that's super formative in terms of how you you know who you are now
2: yeah we took tv production our freshman and sophomore years and then during our junior year we we petitioned our board of education for a third level because they only gave two and our senior year they gave us um, an independent study for film. Wow. And actually, our senior year, that teacher was supposed to retire. And he stayed there an extra year because he wanted to see us out.
0: Oh, I love that. Oh, Don't sorry. you love just, like, good teachers like that? Like, you can yeah. just remember, like, your favorite high school teachers who, like, really, like, made you who you are, I feel like.
2: Yeah, so shout-out to Mr. Weber. Mr. Weber, fuck yeah. Weber, again. Yeah. Yeah. Good dude.
0: Um, awesome. How about how about you, Dave? Uh
1: the character, I guess there's portions of me in, in that character. Uh, you know, I'm not married, obviously. Um, I'm not a doctor. Um, <laughs> 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 there's like I get the anxieties that, that the person the character has, um, and like I guess the way I would react to things in real life are, are you know, they're they're similar there, like very panicky. I worry, you know what I mean? Um, and I'm Christian, or, yeah, Catholic as well. So, but I grew up around a lot of Muslims and like friends of mine. So I was always like, you know, I never got really into the religion. Like they would they would tell me they're going to pray, but I never asked questions. Like I, I didn't, you know? But being on the show, I've learned a lot myself. So that was quite that was dope too. Like, and I've got I've found like an interest in it and ask questions and just, uh, and it was great. I didn't I didn't know a lot of the things, you know, because I just again I didn't ask questions. Uh, they would go, "We're going to pray to the mosque." I'm like, "Cool, man."
0: You do you have a good <laughs> uh, one. You do you,
1: yeah. And then the character obviously he doesn't smoke, drink, and stuff like that. But I do, I do, I've dabbled. You know what I mean? Over time. Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I party, you know what I'm saying? This guy doesn't party at all. (laughs) Andy, I don't think he dates white, you know, he can't date because he's married, but I do like white women. You know what I mean? I know he's rambled about not digging them, but I do in my life like white women. And, uh, I've known Rami for like 10 years. I met him at the Arab comedy festival in New York. Like when he was, I guess, I think he was 19. He might've been doing sketch, right, Steve? He was doing sketch back then. And he did sketch, I believe, at the Arab Festival. I don't really remember this conversation 100%, but he was saying that he was going to do comedy, or he was doing comedy. And I was like, yo, I, I want to act in the, in the future. That's what I, you know, I want to do stand-up and then act. And then 2015, I moved to L.A. I was moving, and I saw a poster. He promoted a show. And then I hit him up, and he said, like, you want to do it? And then we just kind of got closer. Like, I would stay at his place when I, before I settled in there. And then, um, yeah, and then we just got closer over time and yeah. And Steve, I met act, uh, acting class and then he made fun of me. I think the first four minutes
0: <laughs> type bond from the get-go Tight bond,
1: dude. and then from there, you know, we're here. So
0: that's awesome. I'm sure there was like a sense of camaraderie on set and just like, it seems like everyone is like close and knows each other pretty well, which I'm sure lends itself to the really great like scenes that y'all got. So that's amazing. Yeah, Um, I feel like Rami does a super fantastic job delving into really important sex ed concepts, which is why I wanted to have you both on the show. And I know that like on its face, it might not seem like a sex ed kind of like PSA or sex ed related show. But there's a lot of topics that like I as a sex educator noticed and was like, wow, like if young people and old people alike are watching this show, like this is super informative um, for so, so many things. And some of those things I feel like are hooking up friendship, gender norms, expectations of what like a good Muslim looks like. And on the flip side, like fetishizing Muslim women, um, what it's like to be in the closet for an older person who's like seemingly religious or just, you know, it's not their time and they're not comfortable coming out um, because of whatever norms exist. Um, Forbidden love, sex and disability, and so much more. Um, So I'm kind of curious, what are your favorite episodes and like what was it like getting super deep into these topics for the screen?
2: I love the scene of the pilot when... Robbie fills up the condom to make sure that there are no holes in it.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, totally valid fear. Yep. Totally real fear. I I love that. Um, I mean, I'm I'm sure we'll get to this more later, but I I really like how Robbie allows me to portray um sex issues within the disability community. Um, he, he really kind of gives me uh, free range when it comes to that. Um, and I just I feel really special and honored that I'm able to kind of portray and tell those stories that you really just never see on TV today.
0: Totally. Yeah and that must be again, since you're so close and since you did a lot of improv, you must have had a lot of ability to share, like, exactly what you wanted to share and to, you know, imbue that in the writing and really, like, make that a core part of the show, which is super awesome.
2: Yeah, I... I, I mean, for me, every time... Well, really, every... When it comes to me doing stuff like that on screen, Robbie will basically call me up uh, while he's in the writer's room... And be like, hey, Steve, we're going to do this, you know, totally crazy idea. And basically I'm just like, fuck. That scares me. Okay. Yeah, let's do (laughs) it.
0: And you acquiesce eventually.
2: Yep. Yep. Um, And, you know, Robbie is very attentive to... Just how I do things personally. So he, he's very meticulous and, like, asking me questions when it comes to how I do stuff. Um, so I, I think that's why, I really why the show is just so well done. Because it's just so authentic to everybody.
0: Totally. Absolutely. How about you, Dave?
1: Yeah, I think there's like a real thoughtfulness uh, throughout. Like, I know just from, I don't know personally, personally, but I could see sometimes him asking, you know, whether it's about about Steve or whether it's about the religion. There's, like, a real... Um, they're trying to get it as authentic and true to each character, but also the flaws. Like, you know, you know, like, naturally, I think sometimes in real life you try to hide these flaws, like, from even your friends or, or people you love or just strangers. You know, you give this idea of who you are but this this show shows those uh the negative side or the bad side or the rough side or the 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 stuff you're going through and it doesn't shy away from that and that's what I loved about like comedy and it's like stand-up itself that's why like my favorite comedian is Richard Pryor because it wasn't like like he was never you know he told you you know I lit myself on fire I did crack like you know what I mean but then he, he showed you all this this dark side of his personality and just me. And a lot of it was cringe could have been, you know, but you watched it and you're like, okay, this is authentic. This is real. This person's being upfront. And there was, uh, like even I would like the nine eleven episode was one of my favorite ones because I didn't, it was a you great know, episode. it's just the perspective of, of, of his perspective of it in that day. Like I remember being in Windsor at, a, at my college and we were at, like, we went for lunch me and my boy and then we heard on the on the radio the towers went down so that day is uh, obviously very you know I remember it but like a small group of us Middle Eastern people were like in a circle and we just kind of couldn't tell no one spoke and separated from the circle I don't even know where I went like I couldn't even, I don't think anyone had a destination they just kind of went into the hallways into just like what this that was this is insane um that one was my one of my favorites, and then the mom one from the first season, the lift episode. It's just because, like, I didn't really think you know, a Lebanese or Arab mothers are so giving and caring, and around you, they're always asking you if you're fine, if you're fine. It kind of gets overshadowed asking them, and sometimes they don't even answer. Like my mom doesn't answer. I go, "How are you today?" and she just answer, "Did you eat anything?" It's just like they don't like to divul- like divulge any of their information or how they're feeling. So seeing that episode and like how they're lonely, you know, then I start thinking, I'm like, damn, man, is my mom like that too? Like, so it was like, that, I think that one, uh, those two I cried at.
0: I'll yeah. Be honest.
1: I cried at both of those. Two.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and back to the nine 11 one real quick. Like as I'm, I was born on long Island and was on long Island, like when, you know, nine 11 happened. And I just feel like as a New Yorker, especially, like, when we're yeah. kids, like, everyone can remember, like, exactly where they were in that moment. I feel like it's similar to, like, our parents being like, oh, yeah, I, I remember when JFK was shot. And, like, I can remember yeah. watching that on TV. Like, that's just, like, a moment in history that, like, people will never forget in our lifetime. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, also with the with the lift episode, I just thought it really struck a balance of, like, humor and, like, sadness and also, like – kind of like sexiness cuz she was like going to yeah, hook yeah. up with that guy and then he like yeah. fucked her over and you're like no what the fuck like what a snake yeah. um yeah. and and also she's just an incredible actress i love succession she's so good yeah. on succession just fantastic um awesome so this question is for steve um one of my favorite episodes was Atlantic City and i'm sure you've gotten this question a lot because what a scene, Um, in season two, that famous scene where Rami has to help you ejaculate because your character was in pain from not ejaculating for some time. Um, Can you talk about the impetus behind the scene and what it was like to film it?
2: Well, the impetus to the scene is uh, you can't really see my hands, but um, again, it's all real. Um, But that's something that pretty much uh many many disabled guys in my situation go through. Um, it's real. You don't know? you don't uh you don't uh you don't open up the valves and release the pressure, guess what? It's gonna hurt. And not a lot of people really know that. Yep. Um, especially when it comes to like men with disabilities. Uh, or you know really of all of all genders. Um But again, Robbie called me up in the writer's room and was like, Hey, Steve, what what happens if you don't come after a while? I was like, yeah, man, like, it really fucking hurts. And and you know what, When you sit all day long and you can't move and things swell up, yeah. Guess what? It hurts even more. Mm -hmm. And then he asked, have you ever thought about asking me to jerk you off? And I was like, you know what? There's probably a time where well, I thought about it for like a second and a half. And then I was like, no, fuck that. <laughs> and I said, Great, <laughs> we're gonna do that in the show. And I was like, man Alright, fine, let's do it. <laughs> uh, again
0: with the acquiescing. And do yeah. you think do you think that he was kind of thinking in that way just because he wanted again to like show something that you were going through that hadn't been shown before? Like, where do you think that thought came for him?
2: Well, I think growing up, you know, when we were just making videos or whatever, we were always like, oh, man, you're definitely going to jerk me off one day. (laughs) You know, in high school, and then...
0: So it was like a long-time plan.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a long-time building. Sure. Uh, No pun intended on that. (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, you know, again, it's just, it's something that's real and it's something that you don't see on TV at all. Um, but it, 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 Rami also uses it as a way for his character to kind of separate the, the morality with the selfishness, you know, of, is he using it for himself? Yeah. Or is he using it to actually just help his friend? But is his friend manipulating him into doing it in the way that he wants it done?
0: Yeah, there are a lot of layers to this, obviously. So
2: many layers.
0: Yeah. And Dave, what did you think of this scene?
1: I loved it. that was another favorite episode is, you know, because we were all together a lot throughout, like, for the whole thing. We got to film together, right? So it's the four of us I just enjoy those scenes because it's like a lot, like you know, we could riff, the improvising, and then just even the takes. Like when when we're not filming, it's just fun hanging out. That scene, what I remember? Did they tell? Did he tell me before? I think he was like, uh, "There's a scene where I jerk off." <laughs> I
2: remember. I remember the. it was a couple of days before that. It, it was when we were in Brooklyn. We thought you were sick. <laughs>
1: No, they thought I had shingles, so I yeah, had I had yeah and,
2: Oh no. And I remember you were it was you were driving. Yeah. Or you were in the driver's seat of my van. Yeah. And Mo Oliver was in the passenger seat. Yeah. And you knew and we were like, Mo, do you know? what we're doing Friday, he's like, No. <laughs> and I said, Robinson jerked me off. And he's like, No fucking way, man. Yeah. And
1: when you thought that we were kidding. Yeah, you thought we were fucking around. <laughs> You were like,
0: no, no, this is, this is happening. Cause, he's cause he's gonna do it.
1: Me and Mo got on set to do a, a do our scene after, right? And then you guys, they've been filming for majority of the night. It was in Yonkers, and I remember because I had supposed shingles, so I couldn't be near people. But when I got on set, I'm like, people were like, yeah, this is the scene where uh, Ronnie jerks off Steve. But <laughs> it was so funny hearing like people say it without not work, like, you know what I mean? Nobody was offended. It was just like, they were, it was normalized. They were like, yeah, we're going to, bre- we're going to, he has to finish jerking him off <laughs> with a break to lunch type vibe. And, uh, <laughs> that made me laugh, like through the whole night of how like everyone was like geek. They're like, this is, this is a crazy scene. And it was, yeah. And then you watch it and yeah, the whole episode again is like one of my favorites, but like that scene is just like, I didn't even, I didn't know this. I didn't know. You know, so it was like, oh shit! I didn't even think about that uh, yeah. selfishly. You know what I mean? Because I, you know, I could jerk off. I don't need anyone to jerk jerk off. Sure. <laughs> if you had to ask somebody, <laughs> just the whole thing is a like comedy brilliance. I think. I For just sure. think it's so dope.
0: And and just to point out, in a previous episode, we had on um, a sex educator named Eva Eva Sweeney, and I don't know if you've heard of her, Steve. Yes. Okay. Have you worked with her before? Yes.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Okay, Thanks.
0: she rocks, and she is someone yeah, with cerebral. Yeah, she's someone with cerebral palsy, and she is nonverbal, so she has an aide communicate for her. She has a laser pointer that she points at a letter board when she like can communicate in the moment. Um, but we, I had her on, and we talked about masturbation. We talked about dating. We talked about how someone who exists in a wheelchair who is nonverbal can go on a date with their aid and it not be super weird can talk about boundaries can talk about the kind of relationships can talk about with their aid hey can you like set this magic wand vibrator like on my clit so I can go masturbate and you can give me privacy and come back when I'm done like all of those things are things that people with disabilities do not learn about in normal sex ed because of course sex ed is trash in America specifically Um, and people who don't have disabilities don't even learn about these things. So I think it's super important to, to highlight in, especially in the comedy, right? Where like people are watching, they're not expecting to learn this kind of thing. Um, and they can, at the end of the day, really gain something. And, as you said, there are so many layers with, like, religion and morality. And, obviously, like, he does this to you in this scene, in my eyes, out of love and friendship. And, like, a, okay, well, like, I'm not super down to do this, but, like, you're in pain and, like, I want to help you. So, like, that's, how, that's, what, that's what's going to happen. Um, so I just found it really moving and powerful and, and really awesome.
2: It actually, it had a really good effect uh, within the disability community. Um, I was able. I, I talked to a lot of guys about it. Uh, like I was actually I was able to like refer uh, a couple guys to like some sex workers to help them out, and it's something like they never even thought about before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like it, it just had this really great ripple effect throughout the community, uh, where just like a lot of people were a lot more open discussing it. And not just discussing it, but, like, finding real solutions. And finding solutions that they may have thought was, like, taboo. And, like, frowned upon. But, are, you know, I, I think once I was able to talk to them about it and get them comfortable, they found to be really just valid solutions. You know, because I, I had a really like, drive into that but like, there's nothing wrong with getting a sex worker to help you out with that, you know, because they're, they're gonna be comfortable with you, yeah. you know, but it's whatever their job. I mean, they're providing a service, you're paying
0: them, and yes. also there's, like, other things to be said for, like, aides who do this, or physical therapists, or, like, people just, like, in the, like, disability service, like, you know, community, um, that should just be normalized as like part part of the gig
2: Right, and, and i was able to explain to them that like you know this can be something that is medical you know because if you're like i said if you're sitting all day long and, and you're in physical pain and discomfort i mean there were nights where the pain would literally wake me up in the middle of the night and i could to fall back to sleep because i felt like there was like a fucking needle going into me and they'd be like yeah like i feel that too and it's like if it's done that bad like you shouldn't be ashamed to like fix that problem
0: completely yeah 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 um super awesome thanks for for talking about that so this question is for dave um in an interview that i saw with you and Rami, um, you and Mo, Rami's other friend, uh, played by Mo Amer, um, are described as the angel and the devil to Rami, and kind of, you're saying he needs to masturbate less, he needs to pray more, he needs to get married so that he can put you know himself on a better path. Um, you already kind of talked about this, but how similar do you think you are to your character in that vein, in real life? And like, what are some challenges with playing a like super nice guy who's like kind of on the straight and narrow?
1: Uh, I told Rami this too. Is like, it's funny because some of the stuff he does as a character, um, like that's who the energy is of me in real life. Like, so you're just kind of playing. I'm playing this person that's like, oh, if you didn't do those things you do in real life, this is how it could. It could this is how it could feel, mm-hmm. um, which is funny because like even the the, the mess ups with the women and all the and, and just the behaviors. I'm like, Oh, I, I recognize that. And then so play, like, I guess sometimes it's like, you know, the energy is like, I'm talking to myself, like, yo, you know, if you did this, if you know, if Like if, you're if, writing
0: you, in a diary, like reading it back. Yeah.
1: Like watching them. So then when I'm like, I guess, and I'm not like a bad guy, like I'm a nice dude, you know what I'm saying? So, but the, but the focus in, in faith, like I don't have that folk that much of a focus in, my faith in real life, you know what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll pray, but there isn't that focus that this character has. And, that, like, almost like a rigid schedule. Like, he has it. He's figured out these things. This is who I am. I'm a, ni- I'm a nice guy. I'm married. You know, I don't, you shouldn't masturbate. You should do this. There's such an order to it that I don't have uh, just quite yet in real life. I'm more um, erratic, and, you know, there's more of, dera- like, falling, you know, derailing and stuff, but this, that character doesn't. But again, the anxieties, I could, you know, I'm just adding that to it. That's the anxieties that I, I guess, you know, I, I, I wouldn't hand sanitize now. I probably would, but mean, before if I went into a strip joint, you know what I mean?
0: Like right, I, right, right, right. <laughs> but I have to say in Atlantic city, there's this really funny like moment of you kind of like, being drawn, your character being drawn to the slots, right? And just like, yo, man, I can't press this button. Like, can you please just press this button for me? Like, I can't do it. And like, there is a glimpse of like, what would happen if like this character like went off the rails.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, I I hate gambling in like real life. Okay. (laughs) My uncle, my uncle are gamblers and stuff like that. I never, you know, so it isn't, but I have vices like that gambling vice where it's like, you see it and then you're like, shit and this is hard to get back yeah 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 I'm back in um so yeah it I don't know it's it's what are are some of those
0: vices is that too personal
1: no no it's uh like with me it's like it's like if I start drinking I'm like I can go for three months like not like like an alcoholic but just partying wise and but I then I can I could just stop sometimes but it's like also with um just the, the not being able to commit in relationships is like a is a thing where like I I'll be like okay now I'm gonna I'm gonna try to commit and be and then I just fall off it's like the slot machine I'm like I'll, I'll hang out with a girl and then I'm derailed again I'm like damn it like you know what I'm
0: saying? interesting <laughs> like, interesting okay like I'll
1: talk to a friend like yo I think I like this girl I, I'm I'm gonna I'm try to just be with one girl and then it just uh, three days shake. later it falls apart oh, wow. my three broken. days yeah. it's
0: pretty quick pretty fast um pretty fast thanks <laughs> for your honesty though that's you know yeah. that's hard that's you got to be vulnerable with that stuff and it's really tough i think that it's really easy to see like those faults in ourselves um but also especially now like during covid when shit has just been like so challenging and things are so challenging politically and there's just there's just so much going on that I think like giving ourselves a break when like things don't go necessarily right is like really important for like mental health and just for like you know maintaining you know confidence in like ourselves without like ripping ourselves apart it could be really easy to do that when we see faults in ourselves yes wow very deep um okay so comedy Opposite of that. Um, well, maybe it's the same thing. Um, I know you're both stand-up comedians outside of the show. Um, tell me about the themes that you both talk about in your comedy, and how did you both get into it and realize that you're good at it, and it was something that you wanted to pursue.
2: I've I've been public speaking since I was like nine, ten years old uh, with the Western District Association. So I've I've always been good, like in front of a room. Uh, you know, in front of people, and uh, when I was growing up, I always used, I always used comedy to kind of, like, deal with my disability, in a way, and I remember after we graduated high school, Robbie and our two friends, uh, John and Kyle, that he had start a start comedy group with, they were doing a comedy show for charity, in our hometown of Rutherford. And I remember Robbie was in my room and he was like, Hey Steve, i wanted to write a stand-up comedy set. But just do it. I was like, alright, fine. So I wrote it. I showed it to him and he read it. And he said, great, you're going to do this at the show. So that's literally the first time I did stand-up comedy. So we kind of pushed uh, you to do it. Yes, yes. And... I basically talk about what it's like to have a disability, uh, disability issues in America, but um, I I try to find like the absurdity of it all. Um, Because I realize that if I get other people to relate to it and if I can frame it in a way that everybody can understand, then not only will they get it and find it funny but I'm like subvertly educating them. Yep. On what it's like to be disabled and to have a disability. Um. So it's it's super rewarding. You know, when people come up to me and say, "I hey, see what those really great." I also had no idea about this.
0: Yeah, you educate people.
2: Yeah. That's
0: amazing. How about you, Dave?
1: I think I started wanting to do it. I guess, I just wanted to. I guess entertain at first when I was a kid. I really liked like talk shows like Leno, Letterman, and, and for some odd reason, Soul, Soul Train, I would watch with my sister a lot. And it was like on at like midnight almost. But Une- we,
0: unexpected.
1: Yeah, we just were like watching Soul Train a lot. with my sister, we watched TV together a lot, but we were uh, fascinated with award shows as well. So I always wanted to entertain, but then. My uncle, uh, Uncle Brian, he married into the family. He, um, he showed us or sh- uh, Richard Pryor and then Eddie Murphy and Andrew Dice Clay. I don't think we were supposed to watch, we were kind of like 13, 14. Maybe my sister was younger. I don't know what we were doing. <laughs> and I, when I saw Richard Pryor perform, uh, he was doing this bit about where a wino was talking to a heroin junkie and they were do- having dialogue back with each other back and forth. and I. Then he kind of like the the wino um, shoots up the it like helps the heroin guy and then it fades to black. And I just was like, whoa I don't know what that was. That was <laughs> wild. And then I was like, I want to do whatever that is. Um, I think I told my mom. <laughs> she was like, I don't know, I guess, dude. Uh,
0: <laughs> She's like, what is, is going a- on? Here? Yeah. But I guess I'll on- support you.
1: I was on the ground watching TV and I just remember now just looking up at her like yo it's like I found gold or something like that um and then I waited till I was like 19 I didn't think I didn't know you were allowed to have somebody chaperone you to a club I just thought you had to be like legal so I waited till I was 19 didn't know how to write jokes I would write conversations down then I read a comedy book called The Comedy Bible and I started to put together a set I had my best friend at the time, Hugo help me. He read it. Um the set bombed, obviously. And then it just, you know, went on from there. But I think it was like early, early on. And I just was learning how to be funny. And then eventually I wanted to find my voice. And now it just come now anything uh I don't hesitate to expose anything about my personal life or uh my my vulnerabilities beginning. Cause I was, it was influenced such so much by Richard Pryor's uh, up specials. I was like, that's dope, man. If you could, and it just feels better to me to not like to not hide any of that stuff. So sometimes it might be too personal, but it's, it's all good, but I enjoy it that way. So just really like anything that I could draw from uh, personally in real life, I'd like to, I put it on stage if I can.
0: Yeah. And is that kind of like, relationships your family like what kind of things yeah do you, sorry like, get into? Um,
1: like a lot of a lot of it's about my uh family uh my dad uh, specifically my mom's anxieties my anxiety um uh relationships you know what I mean um sex stories um and then just like yeah like I remember being robbed back in the day so like I didn't um like by pissed pistol- up by gunpoint pistol whipped. And I just didn't know how to talk about, I was just like, I'm just going to say it on stage. And then, then eventually it formed into a bit. But at first I was just like, like saying it and I didn't know. But then after I said it, it just kind of felt therapeutic. I was like, oh, that was great. I put it out there. People laughed at me getting robbed. That's great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got to use it. <laughs> Capitalize yeah. on that shit.
1: Yeah. So stuff like that, basically. And yeah, I don't shy away from some, from an experience that happens. I'll bring it right to the stage if I can.
0: Awesome. Uh, We got two more questions. This one's for Steve. I know you've already kind of spoken about this, but I know you're an advocate for disability awareness, which is super incredible. Um, As you mentioned, you give motivational speeches around the country. Um, You're also the co-creator and star of the web series Uplifting Dystrophy. Can you talk about that a little bit and your experience with muscular dystrophy and what your activism looks like?
2: Yeah, Uplifting Dystrophy was a project with uh, me... Robbie and the two guys I mentioned before, Kyle and John. um, We basically wanted to show what it was like to have accessibility barriers. Um, So every episode, uh, John would try to take me to a party in New York, but something went wrong every time. Um, and, And it really shows, like, the strain it could have on uh, friendships, you know, when someone's trying to do something for someone with a disability and it doesn't work out and, you know, there's there's, like, a combination of ignorance with a lack of appreciation. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's all real. Um, now I, I, I pretty much have all my focus into health care reform and Medicare for All Um, and just changing the archaic rules and restrictions that disabled people in America have on them when just trying to get health care dealing with social security and um, just, you know, trying to live their lives. You know, because a lot of times we can't even get the bare minimum care that we need to survive. You know, I'm I'm fighting for that right now. Um, you know, people in that disability community die all the time just because they can not get the adequate uh, care. You know, and there's no reason for it. There's absolutely no reason for it. Um, so, you know, if I can use my growing and expanding platform to raise awareness for that and to change that for the better, um, then, yeah, that's that's my job now.
0: Amazing. Super admirable. Um, In May, I just graduated with my Master's of Public Health from Columbia and just really share your sentiment about how shitty it is um, for disabled folks, for people in need um, in America when it comes to lack of health care and just lack of humanity basically that our government has for its citizens um so really really share um the urgency with you there and how important that is um wow we have one question left this has been super awesome thank you both again so so much for being here this has been so fun um this last question goes back to rami and i'm kind of wondering what do you hope people gain from the show and uh, what are you looking forward to in Rami season three? Because I saw Rami tweet that season three is coming back. I'm sure everyone is super stoked on that. I'm sure the people involved are so thrilled. Um, so, so what are you looking forward to?
2: Well, I think what I want people to get, and I think Rami shares this sentiment too, is that you should watch this show, not be a. Muslim, millennial male from New Jersey and still relate to it. Mm-hmm. And even not be disabled and relate to it. Um, Because I don't think you have to be any of those lamps mm-hmm. to understand the themes and the feelings from it. Um, In terms of season three, I have no idea. I'm scared shitless. <laughs> I have no idea what Robbie's gonna make me do.
0: What he's gonna cook up for I mean, you? I mean,
2: season one, I tried to sleep with an underage girl. <laughs> By the way, that never happened in real life. Yeah, we didn't
0: really talk about that, but uh, also yeah, very, well, very uh, crazy episode. Well,
2: we'll get to that for the Steve Boy solo episode. That sounds good for next season. Um, but but my, my my lawyer advised me to always say that it never happened. <laughs> uh, that's me playing a fictional character in a fictional universe. It never happened. Um, but yeah, so that happened season two Robin to me off so like I have no idea where we're going from there I don't want to know I'm scared but <laughs> I'm gonna have to do it anyway uh because one I need the money and two I just I don't have a choice so <laughs>
0: sure really really uh uplifting <laughs> ending there thank you so much Steve how about you Dave
1: I want to say uh when you guys are talking about the health thing it's like You, I was watching the news here in Canada, and then uh, it's just crazy how the two different countries, like the the prime minister, was just on the news telling people to take a flu shot. (laughs) Just kept saying, "He goes, just please take a flu shot if the second wave comes." And then you click to America, and you're like, "What is?" It's just if you put them side by side, you're like, "What is happening?" It's terrifying. And then this guy is like, "Please." Please, everyone, take a blue
0: shot. <laughs> Straight terrifying. Like we're in,
1: we're in high school kids. But um, also, Steve's—I just want to say—Steve's uh, just does just so funny in, in both seasons, man. Just like the, you just don't like if you go back and listen. There's like so many lines, dude, that even like if you miss, you just go. It's just so and but also like the. Uh, is the comedic chops of knowing do you know what I mean like I, I get you know what I'm talking about Steve like in the dialogue like he'll find the he'll find the funny in it which I think is not it's not easy you know what I'm saying and it just looks so natural I just wanted to say that um uh before yeah and then I think I agree with Steve on that is like you don't have to be you could just be, be just human I guess you know these are just emotions that I think everyone goes through and themes you don't you know I could Again, I'm not Muslim, and I can relate to, you know, just even that family is not specifically my family, but there are parts of it, just, I guess, the feeling of it and the energy where I was like, oh, okay, yeah, they did that to my sister. They let me, like, leave the house without even that questioning where I was going. Mm-hmm. I could have been going to sell cocaine, and no one would have found out. Well, they would have found out, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess season three, uh, more words, uh, um, Arabic words that I that I'm going to have to... Try to memorize for forty-seven hours.
0: <laughs> that wait, what? Can you break that down? What does that mean?
1: Just some of the words, some of the Arabic words I have like a hard time with. Oh, with. you're gonna have like to speak. Stuff in, I don't. I'm not in. Not speaking Arabic, but just some of the stuff like uh, the kids kept like just some of the. I almost I almost said it wrong, but I, I stopped myself, so I don't get. Made. I
2: would. I would be talking to James' roommate. And I'd be like, oh, how, how's Dave doing? And be like, oh, he's been in the bathroom for five hours <laughs> trying to learn how to pronounce Arabic words.
0: Interesting place to try to practice and your Arabic. I'm
1: the, yeah, because I'm the least, uh, I guess, I, could, I can understand everything, but I probably, out of all the cast, I'm the least could like pronounce some of the words yeah well-versed but i'm the most like religious character right so just the the it's just uh, my luck i'm like how the how did this happen so you gotta study up Yeah, so i have to study up so you know steve's getting jerked off i'm in the bathroom learning
0: (laughs) (laughs) pretty complete opposite (laughs) sides of the coin um incredible thank you both so so much for being on again it's been such a pleasure thank you
2: thank you wow thank you so much
0: want to win a year's worth of free lube yeah i'll bet you do all you have to do is enter the secret code word into the uber lube google form on our instagram link tree and bam you're entered to win that sweet sweet year's worth of lube i'll bet you want to know what that code word is right about now don't you Okay, fine, I'll tell you, but don't tell anyone. The secret code word is slippery. Enter that word into the Google form on our Instagram link tree and you'll be entered to win. Good luck. If you're someone in a long distance relationship, quarantine can be especially difficult without your boo. What if you could have an exact replica of your partner's penis or vulva to use as a sex toy? While the year 2020 certifiably blows, at least we have ClonaWilly to make our LDR dreams come true. Intrigued? Learn more at www.clonaWilly.com and use promo code SexEd20 for 20% off your purchase. SexEd with DB is supported by Pandia Health, the only doctor led birth control delivery company. Here are some fun facts about Pandia Health. Most birth control is free with insurance or for $15 per pack without. Your birth control comes with free delivery and free goodies, and you can get an online doctor visit if you need it, which is perfect during COVID-19. Go to pandiahealth.com, that's P-A-N-D-I-A, health.com, and use code SEXEDFREE to get a free telemedicine appointment for the first 50 people who sign up. Offer only valid in Arizona, California, Florida, Texas, and Wyoming. Our creator, co-producer, sound engineer, and host is me, Daniel Bezalow, a.k.a. DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Catherine Cohen. Our main logo and banner graphic were created by Andrea Forgotch. Our social media intern is Leslie Lopez. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Our ad music is by my stepdad, Bill Gamm. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. If you're interested in advertising with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on Insta at sexedwithdbpodcast. Tune in next time.